defense, bring a unique skill set, speed, size, athleticism, you know, ag- you know, agile, shifty, you know, whatever you, you want to say. I think we check all the boxes where we want to be. Um, we want to be the aggressors. We want to set the tempo of the game. And having those guys, it helps, you know. Of course, you know, big boys up front. So whenever you got those guys, you know, leading the, the charge and then a bunch of skill players that can really make plays, I think you just you set yourself up for success. And, you know, we'll let our action do the talking. But, I mean, the excitement's real. People say, you know, they're excited, but I'm truly excited because there's just a bunch that we can do. And in every position, so that's what I'm excited about. Final hour of the rush, live on the ref, we're the home of Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, there's your quarterback, there's QB1, Dylan Gabriel, he's truly excited about the potential of this offense. I think everyone's excited about the potential of him and what kind of season he can have this year. But what do you think is going to be our first impression of Dylan Gabriel since we really haven't seen him play a full season in a couple of years? I think I think it's going to be efficient would be the word that I am going to go with. I think we see something like a, you know, a, a 16 of 19, you know, for 240 yards or somewhere in there. I guess to my point is, he, I don't think he's going to throw the ball a ton. I don't think we're going to be looking at, you know, Baker Mayfield, Texas Tech numbers. Uh, but I think it's going. he's going to pick his spots. He's going to be extremely accurate, as he always has been. Um, and he's uh, – but but I think this is going to be so run heavy that it's not going to give us the clear picture. Again, as we've talked about, you can't learn a lot about the high the, – the ceiling of your football team against UTEP, but you can certainly learn if you're not going to reach your ceiling. Tell me if this makes any sense. Like the first impression when we watch him on Saturday, you think smooth is going to be a good word to use to kind of, I, I guess, yeah. his playing style? Because it feels like it's just nice and it's easy. It's like he doesn't get rushed a lot, like too big in a hurry. He lets things come to him a little bit. Like I think, I think that's kind of that Hawaii style, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, like his Hawaii style is going to make its way on the field. Like he's going to be electric. Like he's not going to be boring or anything like that. But I feel like like smooth is what. He's going smooth season, like all, just kind of all of that easy, just kind of the throws that he makes are kind of easy. I, I think that he's going to show some arm strength down the field, which I'm you know, really excited to see. I just don't think we're going to see a, a jittery quarterback back there. No, I, I don't think you will. I don't think you'll see happy feet or anything back there. I think, I think you're dealing with a guy who is confident in his abilities because he – because he knows the offense. I think what we've seen in the past in Norman is guys who were confident in their abilities because of them of their physical tools, um, of their physical capabilities, things they've done in high school, maybe their rankings, things like that. I think that's where a lot of the confidence was drawn from. I think Dylan Gabriel's confidence is drawn from just knowing the offense better than than a lot of quarterbacks do across the country, really. I mean, he is well-versed in this offense. He has had production. He's seen what production looks like. It's not all just potential that 
that he's got his confidence in. That makes sense. Yeah, uh, and I don't know, like I, I, like the way that I view him now, and, and again, it's it's a small sample size of what we've seen. We've seen the spring game and some old UCF highlight clips, Travis, and, and maybe some practice clips as well. It's not like we have uh, like nailed down as a fan base exactly what it's going to be. Like, I feel like he's an athletic kid. He's not Kyler Murray or Michael Vick out there, but he can certainly make plays with his feet. I have an idea of how athletic he is. I'm wondering if Saturday is going to change my mind at all. I don't think that there's going to be really any scenarios where there's a whole lot of cold run plays, but I think that there's times where we're going to be able to see his athleticism. I wonder if maybe he's going to be a little bit more athletic than maybe what I think he is right now, if he's going to be more of a factor running the ball than I think. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see any called runs for him, especially as those, you know, as as the backup situation continues to get kind of figured out. Um, I don't think we're going to see a, a ton of that. Obviously, I know um, Davis Bevel is the is on the um, depth chart as QB two, but again, that's not you know solid throughout the season, right? So, uh, but I I do think as far as his athleticism goes, I think I think you see a little bit of Baker in 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 strictly of he can. If if something goes wrong, he can pick up, you know, the the third down with his legs. He can get outside and extend the pocket, uh, or and, and and really extend the play, I should say, um, and still keep his eyes downfield. But I don't think it's going to be a situation that we've seen with Kyler or Jalen where it's okay called run play. Yeah, uh, text line says smooth is Gabriel's personality, but his playing style is fast. He plays with a very quick pace. Someone else saying that we need to play uh, the Rob Thomas Santana song "Smooth" while going into the commercial. Yeah, we may come back out with uh, with that one. <laughs> smooth uh, operator is always a good one too. Yeah. yeah. Text line. I want your opinion on this. I I, I really want your opinion on this. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. Air Comfort Solutions text line. I'll ask you though first, Travis. While the text line is trying to figure out what their response is going to be. Okay. Okay. What does success look like for OU on Saturday? Like, what needs to happen? What does it need to look like for us to walk out of Owen Field on Saturday night and say, yeah, they played pretty well today. I'm happy with the way that they looked in game one. Hmm. I will, uh, I'll, I'll give you two answers. One's results-based, one's process-based. So um, I think the result, I would like to cover the spread. The spread is set by very smart people that have made their livings handicapping these games and setting these odds. I think – I think we're already going to do better than the national folks think we'll do. But if we can do better than what the smart people think we do, um, that is, that's what success looks like from a box score perspective. But I really want to see dominance in the trenches. I want to see bullying in the trenches because it's not a, you know, it's, it's not specific to an opponent that you should bully, should not bully. You should, not let let your guard down, not do anything. You should plant them on their backs often. And planting them on their backs also goes for the defenders that have an opportunity to actually knock people backwards with their hits. And I think that's something that's been missing in Norman for a while. Again, I don't think it's entirely been missing. It's, it's just the consistency has been missing of every time you hit a guy, drive him back. Every time you, you know, rush an offensive lineman, push him back. Every time you're on the offensive line, push them. Impose your will 
on the other player no matter the position is what I'm looking for. Yeah, like exactly. Like look like you're a 31 and a half point favorite. And you know, that hasn't always been the case with OU. I remember the South Dakota game was that 2018 or 2019? I want to say it was 2019. And I remember one drive in particular where the offensive line had like three penalties. It's like, guys, you're playing South Dakota. What are you doing? Just just play clean football and dominate these guys up front. And you, you know what, Travis? We've given a lot of credit to Smitty this offseason, and rightfully so because it looks like a lot of bodies have changed throughout the course of the offseason. But I need to see that, yeah, man, that, that summer conditioning that got kicked up several notches, let me see that in game one. Let me let me see OU be the more physical team from the opening snap to the last snap of the game. So that that's to me. That's what success looks like. Consistently being able to run the ball. Consistently able to get to the passer. As much as we talk about the offensive line, I want to see TFLs, man. I want to see quarterback pressure. I want to see him get pressure off the edge. I want them to see get pressure up, up the middle. Dominate in the trenches. And if you dominate in the trenches, I guarantee you, it's going to take care of that 31-and-a-half-point spread. They'll cover that spread if those two things I just said are true. What what percentage do you think of football success, of winning games, what percentage of it has to do with being able to physically dominate your opponent, whether that's a wide receiver on a defensive back, whether that's offensive line on defensive line, whether that's you know running back on linebacker, if you will, anything – Whoever you are up against, just in a in a vacuum, how the percentage of that? What's your number on that? Is that is that half the battle? I think is it's hundred percent of the battle. I think it's hundred percent. Here's here's why, man. Well, well, and I think there still has to be some type of skill involved. Yeah, there is, there is does, but but I think that you can only out scheme, and yeah, I, I think you can only out scheme someone for so long. And unfortunately, right. I gotta bring up this game. I don't, don't I don't mean to bring up any bad memories, it's OU oh, fans. No. Oh no! But OU was out scheming. They were a couple steps ahead of Georgia in the Rose Bowl, right? Georgia couldn't stop them, man. But once it came down to second half adjustments, who was the more physical team? Who was dominating up front? That game really switched, right? So I, I think if you're playing a more talented team or a team that is just as just as talented as you, I think way more times than not, the team that dominates in the trenches is going to win at a very, very high clip. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I like here from the 405, 80% or greater. Uh, you know, you say 100%, they're saying 80% or greater, which 100% does fall into the or greater. So I'm going to go ahead and say you two are agreeing on that one. But it's also, it when you think of it that way, and you think of the physical changes that we've seen since Schmitty's been on campus, and and even guys like Andrew Rame telling us, hey, man, I've seen more body. I'm, I'm stronger in the last six months than I've been in the last two years. Things like that. You have to assume, going 11-2 you know, last year, you have to assume that's an improvement. I know that you know throughout the day we've had people looking up. Oh man, we uh, you know pump the brakes a little bit. Stop pumping the sunshine. It isn't sunshine pumping to say, look, we got stronger. Our defense got better coaches. Our our offensive coordinator is probably better, and he just have to focus on calling plays. He don't have to worry about running the whole team. Like that's the thing is. 
if if physicality matters that much and our team is nth degree stronger, then of course we're going to be better. Uh, text line forty two ten. That's success. Well, that's that's a that's a slight cover right there. Thirty two point win. Thirty one and a half a point mistake, spread. Tyler. It was not was a, mistake. a mistake. No, 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 no way. Uh, Burley Boomer says cover the spread and then some. From the four oh five depends on the offensive line. If our O line hasn't made improvements, then we may have a jittery quarterback. The whole reason Rattler sucked was because the O line failed him. Williams was able to maintain it a lot better. Yeah, the yeah, the offensive line is the story on Saturday. There's there's no doubt. Absolutely, and and I'm not saying that Spencer Rattler's the the best thing since sliced bread, but you know he did win a lot of games here. <laughs> the kid the kid's got talent. I think he's going to do fine at at South Carolina. But yeah, I mean it's again it's kind of bringing it back to DG. He's got a confidence in his knowledge of the offense, whereas guys like Spencer and Caleb they had confidence in their own skill set where I, I don't think necessarily uh, I don't think necessarily they had it they had as deep of an understanding as what Dylan has with Levy. Dillas, uh, Dallas Bill says success equals consistency and to build on that a little bit I, I don't know if this is fair or not to this year's team it's probably not but like all the things that I want to see on Saturday are things that last year's team was really unable to accomplish at you know, any course at, at any point of the season. Here's another thing that I want to see, Travis, because we were craving it last year. They needed it last year. It was one of the downfalls of that football team. But there was never a point where that team could consistently play complementary football. The offense would play well for a quarter and a half, but during that quarter and a half where the offense was rolling, man, the defense could not get off the field. There'd be two quarters where the defense was playing at a decently high level and getting some stops, but then the offense was bogged down during those times. They couldn't do anything with those opportunities in those short fields. I would like to see in game one this football team have a little consistency and be be successful on both sides of the football and play some complimentary ball. I'd like to see that, please. Of course. Of course. I think we're going to get it. I, th- I think there's a lot to be said for – an offensive coordinator that only has to worry about the offense and can and and doesn't have to worry about running the whole ship and having a defensive coordinator that is I'm talking about Ted Roof is is it can handle can has run Brent's defense can understand on on a molecular level what Brent wants to do with the defense so you don't have to worry about Lincoln calling plays from his little note card trying to manage timeout do I squib kick here do I not squib kick here you brought up the Georgia game so I feel like I can say that um, I, I think you're just going to get a lot more sound decision making uh, 40 to 10 solid season no injuries dominating 405 says a 30 point win uh, 918 a big old W with three exclamation marks Tommy says 34 7 3110 area code says hang half a hundred on them uh, the 580 says, first of all, OU needs to be gout-free on Saturday. Yeah, can't be out with the gout. <laughs> can't be out with the gout. I think OU will be gout-free on Saturday. I'm not so sure that the entirety of the OU media will be gout-free on Saturday. 
But that is something definitely to watch for this week. As long as they get the names right. Just get the names right. Well, that's too much to ask. We need to uh, drop those guys the death chart off uh, before they start their pregame show on Saturday. With pictures. Yes. Big with pictures. <laughs> 405 651 We'll get to more of your texts coming up next. Final hour of the rush rolls on. Riverwind Casino and Hotel bringing you the final hour of The Rush. Tyler McComas alongside Travis Davidson. And your text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3435. There's Dana DeMell, uh, head coach at UTEP. If I were to ask you where the big upset in week one is, I'm guessing you're not going with UTEP over OU and Norman. So where would you go if you're looking for a big upset in week one? You know, it's it's tempting. It's tempting to go North Dakota over Nebraska. Mm, just given, tasty, right? I mean, oh, it's tempting. But I'm gonna go to the school that one Parker Thune would have gone to had he not gone to Oklahoma. The South Dakota State Jackrabbits at Iowa. Why does it not surprise me that Parker would have gone to South Dakota State? I was hoping you were going to say something like Arizona State or some sort of a party school. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. we're talking about Parker Thune here. Of course it's South Dakota State. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's South Dakota State um, at Iowa. South Dakota State was 11-4 uh, and four last year. And, yeah, I, I, I just I like the name the Jackrabbits. And I'm not that high on Iowa this year. I mean, they're unranked. Not, not one of your better Iowa teams uh, up there right now. I think a – I think a low-scoring game, I think, uh, I think it's 17-14. It's going to be 17-14, regardless of who wins. Someone's winning 17-14 in <laughs> exactly. Iowa City on Saturday. All right? Exactly. I mean, come on. Exactly. Um, man, a couple of options here. You know, it's hard to not go with a team that was in the playoff last year that's a six-and-a-half-point underdog. Um, Cincinnati, though I don't think is going to win at Arkansas on Saturday. I actually think that Arkansas might win – by a couple touchdowns at home in Fayetteville. You know, there's a lot of hype this year around BYU. And I think BYU definitely has the chance to be a good team. They're going to have plenty of opportunities to prove it. They get Arkansas at home this year. They get Baylor at home this year. They're at Oregon, and they have another road game that I think is pretty tough as well. I'm going to say that BYU loses to Gary Bohannon and South Florida in Tampa in week one. All that hype for BYU takes a giant torpedo uh, when they lose to South Florida in week one. That's my big upset pick of the week for week one. Okay. 12-point okay, dogs. Okay. I like it. I wonder how many people are going to pick Cincinnati. Cause they I got... don't think a lot, man. I, I don't think a lot of people will. Like Maybe against the spread, but straight up, I think most people pick Arkansas. I mean, Desmond Ritter's gone. Obviously, Sauce Gardner. I don't think... He... I think I saw a stat the other day. He hasn't even been targeted in the preseason yet. Uh, let's see. After if, not giving up a touchdown all year, I don't think. Oh, yeah. He hasn't been targeted against in the NFL in the preseason? Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Sauce Gardner is the real deal. I mean, that's just losing him alone is going to lose them some games this year. If North Dakota beats Nebraska, I'm going to cut down a tree and mail the sawdust to Lincoln because why not, says the text line. 
I'm probably going to wish that I didn't buy my tickets a month and a half ago if North Dakota beats Nebraska. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, those those ticket prices are going to go through the floor. Man, and, and that's and that's the bummer, right, is I didn't want Nebraska to lose to Northwestern. Does it help OU out with Malachi Coleman in the end? Well, it kind of seems like that's been the case over the past few days. Like, I, I just don't want that game and that trip to lose any of its luster. And I don't think it will because Nebraska respects the rivalry that much, and I think that they're looking forward to OU coming to town. I just really hope that that game doesn't lose anything since they lost to Northwestern, and God knows what could happen to them over the course of the next two weeks. Yeah, I think if they, I think if they can scrap together a, a couple wins now, I think the I think the fan base gets back into. It. I mean, I think it's I think it's easy to react to that loss in Dublin because it was. You know, you spent ten thousand dollars getting over there. You know what I mean? I mean, I think that's part of the gripe that Nebraska fans have because they showed up. I mean, I saw pictures of oh my pep gosh, rallies yes. and whatnot. They showed Tra- up. And- Travis, they they brought more people. Nebraska fans brought no, more fans to Dublin than any Big Twelve visiting fan base has brought to Norman in the past ten years. That includes yeah. Oklahoma State fans. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they they travel. They are fiercely loyal. So. I still think it's going to be sold out, packed out, loud. Um, I don't. I don't think. It, I don't think we're going to walk into that stadium and, you know, it's going to look like the Coliseum. I just had that trip built up so much in my mind. Uh, never seen a game at Nebraska. Always wanted to go. Just thought it. Thought, thought that this is going to go down, Travis, as one of my favorite OU football road trips ever. I'm just really worried that it's going to lose its luster a little bit if they're one and two rolling into this game. But ho- hopefully not. It's still it's still going to be an awesome time. Uh, we're going to be in Omaha on Friday, by the way, at the session room from noon to six. That is right behind. Uh, it's right behind the ballpark. I think on the first base side of the ballpark, we'll be there yeah, from noon to six. And then yeah. uh, Saturday, we're probably going to be somewhere right outside the stadium. Uh, hopefully with uh, or I think with uh, Hillbilly Vegas out there doing a pregame show. Yep, absolutely. Yep, Hillbilly Vegas will be playing. Yeah, the the session room is not on the first row of of kind of bars and, and restaurants right there. It's on the second one. So um, where you saw the Jello Shot Challenge at Rocco's, you'll just go one block over and uh, you'll find us there at TSR, the session room. And then, uh, yeah, pregame will probably be well, – once we get these for sure kind of nailed down, we'll tell you exactly where. Probably really gonna be, good brats. Really good brats at the session room. Yeah, well, hopefully there's good brats where we're hanging out um, outside Memorial Stadium in the pregame show. I could do a 10 a.m. – I could do a 9 a.m. brat before the OU Nebraska game. I'm a, See, here's the thing. I am a big believer in that no food should ever be assigned to a particular time. You can eat any food for breakfast. You can eat any food for dinner, anything like that. Like, that, that is a hill that I have been defending for years. So, yeah, brought for breakfast, why not? So you're not going to judge me if I uh, maybe get started as soon as we get off the air at 10 a.m. for the 11 a.m. kick? Of course, of course okay. I won't. I'll okay. join you. Okay. All right, just making sure. Post game, um, we might be outside Memorial Stadium. We might be at a bar uh, in the Haymarket District in Lincoln. We'll, we'll let you know. But I will tell you, and if you haven't heard, if you're coming to town for the game this weekend, you, you got to join us. You, you got to join the ref to celebrate the opening game of the season. The, uh, the K-Ref Army tailgate gets started this Saturday. 
from 8.30, we're going to kick things off. Parker will be at the Hertz Donut parking lot from 8.30 to 10.30. That's kind of where the KREF Army official tailgate is going to be happening. From 10.30 to 11.30, Balfour of Norman, we're still going to be there as well. Um, 10.30 to 11.30, you'll have Toby Rowland, you'll have Teddy Lehman. I believe Chris Plank will be there as well. And then from 11.30 to 1.30, Travis and I will also be at the Hertz Donut parking lot out there. There's going to be beer. I've got a few dozen T-shirts, uh, Ref Army uh, T-shirts to give away. Some koozies will be there. Mike Steely will also be on with us for those two hours. He'll be at Balfour of Norman. So we've got both places covered on Campus Corner. Just like the, the Army will have, a, we'll, we'll have a Campus Corner surrounded, basically, Travis. We'll be all Absol- over the place. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a great time. Going to be a ton of people out there. Uh, really excited. Please stop on by. Come say hi. Grab a koozie, uh, maybe a T-shirt. Who knows what else? Would love to see you. Yeah, and uh, for post game, we'll be at Yo Pablo on Campus Corner, which is literally right across the street from where we'll be at the pregame show. And I'm, I'm just going to say this. You know, during the spring game, Travis and I are doing a postgame show, and Jordan Evans comes on the air and joins us. Sterling Shepard comes on the air and joins us. It looked like the entire 2013 OU football team walked through the restaurant mm-hmm. while we were on the air. I have no idea if any former OU players are going to be there. I'm just saying for the spring game, they were they were at Yo Pablo. That's Nigel Smith joined us as well. Yeah. Uh, one of the yeah. top defensive linemen in the 2024 class. Uh, he'll be making a, a trip back to uh, OU for, for Bedlam, I believe. Same as uh, David Hicks. He's going to be there as well, so... Always come by. You never know who you're going to run into at the uh, KREF postgame show. Yeah, Saturday is going to be awesome. But before Saturday gets here, dude, I'm I'm pretty jacked up about tomorrow. Like in 24 hours' time, we're going to have a football game on. Now it's going to be St. Francis in Pennsylvania against Akron, but at least it's something, right? And then at 6 p.m., that's when the magic starts. Central Michigan at Oklahoma State, West Virginia at Pitt. Ball State at Tennessee, and then uh, later that evening you've got Penn State at Purdue and uh, a couple of other interesting games as well. Like a, a real quick rundown since I won't get to talk to you tomorrow. Central Michigan at Oklahoma State, easy win for OSU, or are we talking about a football game in the fourth quarter at Boone Pickens Stadium? I think it's a football game in the fourth quarter because now they're relying on Spencer Sanders to win football games for them instead of a, one of the nation's top defenses and Jim Knowles is gone. Malcolm Rodriguez is gone. A lot of those guys are gone. So I think you're going to have a bit of a game as OSU adjusts to life without Jim Knowles. Uh, By the way, if Gundy wins tomorrow, that's win number 150 at Oklahoma State. Central Michigan, though, coming off a 9-4 season last year, and they had Lou Nichols III, who led the nation with over 1,800 rushing yards last year. So it's going to be a test for Oklahoma State's defensive line. But all eyes, like the story in that game tomorrow is Spencer Sanders. Yep. Like the, he, Yes, he was all Big 12 first-team quarterback last year. That's great. That felt like default. Yeah. That was by default. A lot of people recognize kind of what he is and what he has been as a quarterback. Travis, he desperately, and I mean desperately, needs to get off to a good start this year, and that, that starts tomorrow. He, he cannot have a shaky performance in week one. Well, didn't he have four interceptions in the Big 12 championship game? 
I mean, he's the reason why they lost the game, yeah. I mean, it's Man. hard to say that he wasn't. Now, he also had a shaky start against Notre Dame, and I, he had a really good second half uh, against the Irish and really helped OSU come from like a 21-point deficit and win, but he was not great in that Big 12 championship game. Oh, yeah, that's oof, that's brutal. I think, um, you, you know, a lot of people are high on Pitt. I think West Virginia's got a chance to go up to Pitt tomorrow and win that game. Pitt's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, and I'm not crazy about West Virginia. Don't get me wrong. I just think Pitt is – I think they're in a situation where they're going to take a massive step back from last year. Man, talk about a bracket buster in week one for Desmond Howard. Yeah, oh yeah I forgot <laughs> that he had Pitt in the playoffs. You take, take out one Jeez. of his playoff teams in week one? Wow. Man, yeah, that'd be a, t- that'd be a tough look for him. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get to find out a lot about West Virginia tomorrow because I think Neil Brown is on a little bit of a hot seat going into this year. I think we're going to get a pretty good idea if West Virginia's game or not to make any sort of run at like the top half of the Big Twelve. Because it'll be it'll be interesting because we have the opportunity, obviously, to go wire to wire in in the Big Twelve of uh, of never allowing uh, West Virginia to beat us when it's a conference game. So if, if we if we continue, if we make it out to the SEC and West Virginia still hasn't beaten us, then that's something we can always hang over their heads. Their offense has just been so god-awful since Neil Brown's been there, man. As if we needed something to hang over West Virginia's head. Well, yeah, that's true. Honest. That's true. Never hurts. Yeah, West Virginia got to get better offensively. Penn State-Purdue going to be a pretty good game, 7 p.m. Is, on uh, are, we, are you guys setting up um, – are you and Teddy going out to that Ball State Tennessee game, so he can see the volunteers. <laughs> Are you guys promoting I, that or what? What's I I mean, he he might have plans too. After he thinks uh, Tennessee's got a chance to beat Georgia and Alabama this year, yeah. I mean, he may not be. I mean, if they're undefeated heading to that Florida game in Week Four, he might have to miss the OU game that weekend and just hit up Knoxville for that Florida Tennessee game. I am. Well, I just wanted to know, I wanted to know. I didn't see it on the schedule that, that that Drake sent out, but I wasn't sure if maybe that was overlooked. Ted's high on the Vols this year. He's backing up his former quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean there's that's obviously part of it, whether it's conscious or subconsciously. But but yeah, man, seven and six last year. Of course, teams can improve, but I mean they they had the nation's fastest offense last year, one of the nation's best offenses uh, statistically. How much better can that get? You got to rely on the defense getting better because yeah, the like, offense is already good. I was joking with him the last time those two played a football game together. Teddy was in the backfield blocking for Josh Heupel in the 2000 national championship game, and uh, yeah, 21 years later, he's still blocking for him on this show, saying that he's going to have a <laughs> gotta keep really his quarterback great clean. Got to yeah. keep the quarterback clean. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. Air Comfort Solutions text line. More to come next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Suter fans. There's O.C. Jeff Levy, Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, taking you home right here on The Rush. We're the home of Sooner fans. Uh, they want to be physical. They want to run the football. I like to hear that. Sounds like they're going to have to do that without Wanye Morris, their starting right tackle. Maybe for one game, maybe for two games. 
Is this a big deal at all in the grand scheme of things or not so much? You just throw somebody else in at right tackle and Wanye will be back at some point and you won't even blink. Yeah, I think you can throw somebody else in in these two games. I think that's it falls in the right spot of the schedule. And also it provides, and the silver lining is it provides you an opportunity to show, hey, look, we've got standards here. We're, we can't, you know, bend for anybody. I don't care if you're our incumbent starting right tackle. If, if, if you don't take care of your business, you don't play. And I think that's, I think that's important to get into your team's mind early in the year and, and do it in a position where you're not really risking. We're not going into Baylor you know, and having to throw out a true freshman. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't think it's a huge deal, but at the same time, like, man, I, I'm i probably going to guess that Wanye Morris is going to be this team's best option at right tackle. Now, yes, I, yes. It, it's, it's 100% true that they can throw in Jacob Sexton or Tyler Geithner, whoever starts at right tackle on Saturday, and still handle UTEP and still handle Kent State. But I'm looking at it a little bit deeper than that. Wandy Morris needs to play football, man. And he needs to play high-level football. Apparently, he's had the offseason that he needed to have. His body has changed pretty significantly. It looks like he is in a situation physically to be the type of offensive lineman we've been waiting for him to be. And missing two games, that doesn't mean that he can't get there. But dang, Travis, the same time, man. Like I think this O-line is going to be at their best when he's at his best. It is a bit of a bummer to me that he's going to be missing the first two games and not getting those valuable reps that I think even a guy like he needs as a starting right tackle. Yeah, well, he came he came over so highly touted, right? When, I remember when we were you know really talking about that class over from Tennessee, Key Lawrence, Eric Gray, and Wanye Morris. I mean, we were. I mean, that was really kind of early transfer portal. Okay, Lincoln's going around and getting these high-valued transfers. We got all these guys coming in, Tyler Guyton, all these guys. And you really thought, man, this is a plug-and-play. This is an NFL player that we are plugging in, and he is going to solidify the position for a few years, and we're not going to have to worry about it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I hope things I hope things can get worked out for him, no doubt. Uh, another big story today, there is a uh, facilities rumor Making the rounds, $175 million is apparently what OU is trying to raise right now. There's a thought that the new facility would be, uh, I guess, where the track exists now. That's not confirmed by by any stretch, but that's just east of the stadium. Brent gets what he wants. Um, Brent and Thad Turnipseed, it's apparently saying that they need better facilities. They need a new facility. And whether it costs $175 million or not, it sounds like there's a plan to get things going on the donating end to try to make that thing happen. They want to have the best facilities in the SEC when they roll into that conference. Yeah, and this is going to be a constant arms race, as we talked about earlier. This is going to happen every four or five years, you know, even six to eight years. You're going to constantly get fundraising campaigns for new 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 you see it happen all over uh the the country really all the top schools they're always unveiling something always some construction going on but hey when there's construction going on it means that 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 you're improving so 
you know, it's uh, allegedly, you know, some of this road construction in Tulsa, I'm not quite sure that's the case. But, um, you know, typically if you see construction, it means you got improvement coming. So um, I'm all about it. If it hasn't been hard enough to keep up with all of the uh, OU news today, and today's been like a slap in the face, you had three major things drop before noon today, Travis. And a significant bit of information came from Dennis Dodd where he said, you know, a consequence of this new, you know, negotiation starting early by the Big 12 with their right right shoulders, apparently there are now active discussions regarding Texas and OU leaving early for the SEC. So, so you have the thought of a new facility. You have Wanye Morris, your starting right tackle, maybe suspended a game or two. And then, bam, oh, by the way, OU and Texas might be in active negotiations to leave maybe as soon as after this season. Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of saw this coming, right? It's it's when things move quickly and everybody's looking out for themselves, it just moves these things along. It was never going to go slow and all right. Everybody's just going to watch the SEC gobble up two of the most valuable market programs in the country and just sit on their hands. No, the Big Ten all of a sudden makes it happen, and they say, oh, we're going to put in USC and UCLA a year earlier. Well, the Big Ten's or the SEC's not going to sit there and and allow that to happen. And and again with the Big Twelve, with the, you got a new commissioner in, you got new teams coming in. It doesn't make any sense for OU and Texas to still be in the conference. Here's the question: OU's going to play Georgia next year, I think, one way or the other. Is it going to be an SEC game, or is it going to be a non-conference game? What what color will the end zone be, Travis, when OU and Georgia plays? That that'll tell the story. <laughs> Well, and, and if we play it early, a conference game, does does Jason have to, I don't know, mow down all the uh, all the red and get it back to? I mean, does does it ever flip back? Is what I'm saying for the SEC? You, oh, they'll have the uh, they'll have the uh, conference end zones guaranteed. Well, well what I'm saying is, you always have non-con and then conference the rest of the season. So you just have to paint it. You know, in your first conference game, and then it stays painted the rest of the year. If we go non-con, conference, non-con, conference, like what happens after the, what happens to the non-con games after the conference games to the end zone? Yeah, I, I think are there. Oh, you plays at Tulsa next year, right? And is that game? Heck yeah, nine one eight stand up. Yeah, that game's scheduled for week three. Do I have that right? The week after the Georgia game, maybe. So maybe maybe Jason will have a couple weeks to get the. Uh, Field backup. I I I know. I, I I don't know when when exactly it is, but that SEC logo I think is going to be on the field next season. You agree, or do you think it's going to be twenty four? I think no. I think it's next season. I think it's next season. What What do you guys think uh, in the uh, the Air Comfort Solutions text line four zero five six five one three four three nine? When are we going to the SEC? Well, they're asking, have you heard any SEC alignment talk, like who the three teams that OU will face every year? Look, this is nothing like permanent, but everyone seems to think that your three permanent rivals will be Texas, Arkansas, and Missouri. I mean, I I, I get the Arkansas being – just the geographic Texas, you gotta have Missouri. You know, I guess I would take them as a one of our easier wins if you had to pick. But I don't know. I could either I could either take or leave Missouri. What do you what What are your thoughts specifically on Missouri? 
Um, they're the team that I want the least in the entire SEC. I'd rather play Vanderbilt every year and get to go to Nashville every other year than have to go to Columbia and deal with those arrogant Missouri fans that have never accomplished anything. That's how I feel. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> just letting you just letting you know <laughs> just letting you know how i feel about that uh, yeah i'm glad you could get that out. uh ou left the end zones red when notre dame visited in october of 2012 so uh yes i remember that. and that was in like, I was November one of the few in the student section that uh was was you know on twitter enough to see the james harden trade mm, i brought you up the georgia game you bring up that not cool hey you know it's it's worked it's, it's worked out fine he he, he hasn't won a title yeah. So, final segment of the rush coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.